Hi, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Tammy. And we're so glad you're here worshiping with us today. Hey, if you're new here, we want to say a special welcome to you. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'd love a chance to connect with you. The best way you can do that is by going to newcity.us slash connect. Fill that form out and one of us will be in touch with you this week. Yes, please let us know that you're here. And we have a very exciting announcement about our School Spirit Project. We'll do that a little bit later, but for now, let's worship together. Welcome to New City Online. My name is Mitch and I'm joined up front by Courtney. And we're so glad that you've decided to join us. Whether you're a longtime Jesus follower or relatively new in your walk of faith, I wanna encourage you to open your hearts and your minds to what God would wanna do through you. It's our time to worship. It's our time to bring praise and glory to our Lord and Savior. It's our time to celebrate the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful thing. Let's just do it. This is amazing grace.
a Savior whose arms are always open wide to us. I love that reminder so much today. And something else I love is big announcements. So Ron, tell us what is the exciting news for the School Spirit Project? All right, so as many of you know, we just wrapped up our School Spirit Project. And School Spirit was all about providing the students of Greenway Park and Ottawa Elementary, our two partner schools, all 1,800 students at those two schools with the supplies they need for this school year. And you guys gave so generously. And in fact, you gave so generously that we, are, we went above and beyond what we were hoping to raise for this project. We raised $30,000. Wow, that's amazing. So thank you guys so much for giving and partnering with our schools in this way. Yes, thank you so much for your generosity. And we love to see God love our city through your generosity. But I wanna remind us of something today. And that is that God not only loves our city, but he loves the New City family and he loves each and every one of us. Uh, here at New City. And I just want to remind you, a few months ago, we talked about New City Cares, which is a page on our website. Um, I think now more than ever, we feel an unsettledness, we feel anxiety. And even just this past week, so many of us had that anxiety with getting our kids 
uh, back to school. And so I think we just need to be reminded that God loves us. He, he is there for us. He wants to encourage us. And New City also wants to encourage the New City family. So we want to know about your prayer requests, whether small or large. If you have financial needs, we have a Barnabas uh, fund. If you need counseling, if you need pastoral support, we just want to remind you today about newcity.us slash care. Please let us support you and be praying for you during this time. And if you want to partner with the work that New City is doing, then we'd love to give you an opportunity to do that. We know that God calls us to be stewards of what he's given to us. And the best way we found to give back to the work that God's doing is through our website, newcity.us give. So you can go there, you can find different ways to give and support the ministry that God is doing through New City Church. Would you join me now as we pray for our offering today? Heavenly Father, thank you that you allow us to partner with you. And Lord, thank you that, that you use us and the resources that you've entrusted to us to do your work. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to use this church to bring gospel renewal to this city and to the world. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. And last week we started a new sermon series on the book of Nehemiah. So let's join Pastor Chris now with part two of Nehemiah. Well, it's so great to have each of you at New City today, whether you're watching at New City online or one of our locations, we're honored to have you for worship today. Last week, we started a brand new teaching series on the book of Nehemiah, uh, on his life, on his character, on his leadership. And I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it if you missed it. And just join us for the journey. We have a sermon study guide, a reading plan. Uh, so read it for yourself and, and jump into God's word with us uh, as we study this incredible life of Nehemiah. And as we started last week in chapter one, the, the foundation of Nehemiah's life as a leader, as a person, as a follower of God was that he was a person that deeply cared. He was, he was passionate, right? He was passionate about what God was passionate about. We talked about last week that, you know, a great prayer is, you know, God, would you break my heart for the things that break your heart? And when we study Nehemiah, we see someone who, who had their heart broken for the things that, that, that break God's heart. That, that he really deeply cared for, for what God cared about in his agenda. And as we get into chapter two today, and I wanna encourage you if you have your Bibles to, to open to chapter two, and if you're following along on the New City app, uh, the scripture's already preloaded there in the outline that you can follow along today. As we get into chapter two, we're gonna see that, that Nehemiah not only coupled a, a heart that cared and was passionate about the things of God and his purposes and his kingdom agenda, but he had this deep faith that, that allowed him to see things that other people couldn't see and to, to live his life in a way that, that God wanted him to live. And so just as you're turning to chapter two, I wanna just kind of reset and give a little bit of context. So this might be a, a recap for some of you who were able to join us last week and it might be some new information as we, as we jump back into uh, the book of Nehemiah and specifically in chapter two today. We learned last week that the book itself was, was coupled with the book of Ezra. And so Ezra was a, a priest and he wrote the book of Ezra and Nehemiah as one book. Uh, and then after the time of Christ, as the scriptures were codified uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the, those two books were separated into what is now Ezra and Nehemiah. 
But they were written by Ezra and Nehemiah is really kind of Nehemiah's memoirs. It's first person history of his, of his story. And it takes place somewhere around, um, you know, the late 5th century BC. So about 450 years before the time of Jesus, just to kind of give some context and help you to set uh, the, the, the time frame for the story. And then we learned at the end of chapter 1 last week, and if you're looking at the scriptures with me, the very last line of chapter 1, uh, Nehemiah reminds us of what his job was, that he was cupbearer to the king. And we learned, again, just historical context, that that king was King Artaxerxes I. He was the emperor, the king of the Persian Empire, which was a a massive empire. It was the most influential kingdom in the world during that time, the late 5th century BC. So Nehemiah served as one of his most trusted guardians, counselors, and in his inner circle of the royal court. He had a, he had a huge job. And I brought a map last week, and I brought it again this week for you to just get a, a visual of how big the Persian Empire was, this kingdom that Nehemiah was serving in as the cupbearer to the king, the one who was running all of it. It, it extends all the way from, from modern-day India to, to northern Africa. And so, it, you know, massively expansive in its territory and in its influence. And so King Artaxerxes, it's not hyperbole to say he was the most powerful man on the earth at that time. And Nehemiah was his cupbearer, was, was arguably his closest associate and counselor. So as you can see here, uh, where Nehemiah was, the capital city of Susa, the citadel, as he mentions, that's where the story begins. He's serving King Artaxerxes in the capital city of Susa. And Susa was over a thousand miles away from Judea, from uh, the city of Jerusalem specifically. So a long way away. And, you know, we kind of know this adage and you can finish it with me. Out of sight, out of mind, out of sight, out of mind, right? You've heard that before. But that wasn't the case for Nehemiah. Even though he was a thousand miles away serving King Artaxerxes, this pagan king of this massive empire in the the city of Susa, what was in his heart and on his mind was Jerusalem. What was on his mind was the things that were, were on God's mind, what was on God's heart, God's agenda. And he had the faith to see things that other people couldn't see. And even though he had never been to Judea, he had never been to the city of Jerusalem, he had read the Hebrew scriptures, he had heard the stories, and he cared deeply about the city of God. And he had a faith to see something that even, vis- even when he visibly had never seen it before, to see what God wanted to do before anybody else could even see it. You know, the definition of faith as we find it in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, is this, that faith is the um, assurance of things that are hoped for and the conviction of things that are, that are what? That are not seen. Faith is the assurance of things that are hoped for and the conviction of things that are not seen. In other words, faith is, able, is the ability to be able to see things as God sees them before I can even visibly see them in my life. And Nehemiah certainly is an example of that. His faithfulness and his personal vibrant faith to, to see things even before they came to be. Even when he had never been to Jerusalem, God gave him a vision for that. And even in your own life today, uh, you know, sometimes we hear seeing as believing, but actually believing in God's economy, believing is seeing. When we believe and we have trust and we have faith in God, we're able to see things that God wants us to see, to see from his perspective and his kingdom agenda. And Nehemiah's life in chapter one, as we learned last week and we started the story of Nehemiah, in Nehemiah chapter one, we we learned that Nehemiah's life dramatically changes by him asking and listening to a simple question. Nehemiah one verse two, 
I asked them, this is Nehemiah speaking again, first person uh, historical narrative here. I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem, that place that Nehemiah had never seen before uh, visibly in his own life with his own two eyes. And yet he was concerned about it. And he asked a really important question and he takes the time to care, to listen, to pray, to weep and to raise his hand to say, I'll go. I want to, I want to serve. I want to do whatever you want me to do, God. And may that be our prayer as well. This seemingly small question begins to turn everything in Nehemiah's life by faith. And I, I love this quote by Pastor Warren Wearsby. He says, like large doors, great life-changing events can swing on very small hinges. That, that seemingly uh, minor conversation or insignificant event, uh, that ordinary day, God can use that by faith to do extraordinary things. And that's what we see in the life of Nehemiah. And just like so many of the other biblical characters that we study, you know, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joshua and Moses and Esther and, and Deborah and David and all these incredible people of God who were flawed just like us, but they had this faith in a big God to do big things. And, and that's sort of the bottom line as we get to chapter two, when we look at Nehemiah's faith a little bit further today, is that your faith, Nehemiah's faith, plus a, a big God equals an eternal impact. When we place our faith in a big God, he can do eternally significant things, things that we could never do on our own. I love what the great theologian Martin Luther said. He said, faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace, not a confidence in ourselves. That's arrogance. No, a confidence in God and God's grace and what God can do. The faith to be able to see God working, even when it seemingly doesn't seem like he is in our circumstances. Our faith matched with a big God and placed in a big God can do eternally significant things. That's what Jesus said, right? The faith of a what? A mustard seed, which was one of the smallest seeds. It's not the, the size of your faith. It's the object of your faith. This big God that we're placing our trust and our confidence and our hope in. And that's what we see in Nehemiah's life, that he coupled this caring, passionate heart for what God wanted to do with this vibrant personal faith in a big God that could do eternally more than he ever could. So let's, let's jump into chapter two together. And I want to begin by reading the first three verses to you. Nehemiah chapter two, verses one through three. Let's look at Nehemiah's faith to lead today. In the month of Nisan, the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, remember he was the cupbearer, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had, uh, I had not been sad in the king's presence, but the king said to me, verse two, why is your face sad? Seeing you are not sick, this is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. Verse three, I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? We, we get a really significant insight into what's going on in the heart of Nehemiah, our friend here. Because in chapter one, verse one, he says it was the month of Kislev. Look back at chapter one, the, the Hebrew month of Kislev, which was somewhere uh, in our modern day calendar between uh, midway through November and mid-December. That's Kislev. And now he says it's Nisan. And that's between mid-March and mid-April. So we know that four months have passed between chapter one and this amazing question and prayer and weeping and raising his hand to say, I'll do whatever you want me to do, God. Four months have gone by 
before this conversation that he has with King Artaxerxes. So when we look at Nehemiah's faith, the first thing that we learn here in chapter two is that this time has gone by and Nehemiah's faith allowed him to wait. That's so hard to do, isn't it? It's so hard to wait on God's timing, isn't it? I know for me, it's so easy for me to just wanna rush ahead. God, I'll take care of this, God. I'll go solve it myself. You know, I've got a, I've got a great idea or plan here. I'll work really hard and, and I'll get busy right now. It's so difficult, isn't it, to wait on God? The great theologian Tom Petty said it this way, waiting is the hardest part. It's hard to wait on God, to be patient and to know that God is working. But what we see in Nehemiah is an example to us today in this, this season where so many of us are waiting, where we feel like our lives are on pause, where so many things are just unexpected right now. We don't know what's coming next. We feel like in so many ways we're, we're just in the queue, we're in line waiting for what's going to happen. We feel maybe many of us do that our lives are in, in so many ways out of control. We get such a great example from Nehemiah about what we do in, this, in the seasons that we find ourselves in now of waiting and, and disappointment and confusion and even, even anger and frustration that we can trust God. That we can, we can have faith, not in ourselves or in our world, but we can have faith in a big God who's always working. The psalmist said in Psalm 4610, be still so hard for us, Right? Just stop, cease your striving and effort and know that that God is God. Be still and know that God is on his throne. We talked about last week that that God's answer to our crisis and the chaos in our world is an occupied throne in heaven. That God is seated on his throne, that he's ruling and reigning. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when in a world where everything is changing, where everything seems confusing and frustrating, we can trust and have faith in God. That's what Nehemiah demonstrates to us. And I love this, guys, that when we have faith, and by the way, the word faith in the, in the English language, the closest word that we have to a biblical description of faith is trust. When we trust God, when we have confidence in God and not in ourselves, when we look to God, when we have faith in him, waiting time is never wasted time. When we trust God, when we have faith, waiting time is never wasted time. God was working in Nehemiah's heart. God was working in the king's heart. God was putting different things in order and different circumstances in place for just the right moment in his economy and his time frame because he knows best. And dear friends, God's doing the same in your life. We can trust him that when it seems like things aren't happening, we're having to wait between this passionate prayer and, and caring in chapter one and chapter two, there's four months. And some of you feel like you're in that season right now, that waiting season, God is at work. And by faith, waiting time is never wasted time. So be still and know that God is God, that he's at work and that he's preparing and planning even when we can't see what's happening. God was, was working and Nehemiah had the faith to trust that when God was ready to, for him to step in to what had been revealed in chapter one, God would give the opportunity. God would open the door for him. And we read here as we continue in, in chapter two that God j- did just that by King Artaxerxes recognizing that, hey, you seem sad, you seem down, which by the way, a very perceptive king. Something's wrong with you. You're not sick. This is a sickness of the heart. Tell me what's wrong. This is the first of three questions that King Artaxerxes asked here in chapter two. And Nehemiah, by faith, is ready to step through those providential doors and, and to answer. 
So we see first and foremost that, that Nehemiah's faith, as it's demonstrated in chapter 2, just a great uh, example of Christian leadership here, that, that his faith allowed him to wait. But, but, but the second thing that we see here is that, that his faith allowed him to be bold. He was incredibly bold. Uh, when the king asked him the question here, you know, what's wrong and, and what are you requesting? He is ready to answer. I, I love, uh, again, how King Artaxerxes, there's three questions here, how as a leader and even as a pagan leader, God was working in his heart. The Bible says that all the kings, their hearts are like a river that, that, that God can move with his hands. And it's evident that even though King Artaxerxes, we don't uh, know, uh, know that he has any kind of faith in the one true God, but God is working in his heart and, and molding and using him in, in, in significant ways. In fact, you know, we see this all throughout the, the, the biblical narrative, you know, that, that God used Pharaoh, you know, and his power in Egypt. God used Cyrus to deliver his people from Babylon, pagan kings. God used Caesar to, to bring Mary and Joseph to, to Bethlehem and to be a part of the biblical narrative and promise. God used two different Roman officials in the book of Acts to preserve the apostle Paul's life. God uses different people for her, his plans and his purposes. And so what we see here from Nehemiah, secondly, is that his faith allowed him to be bold in answering this pagan king as God worked in his heart. Think about this question that, that King Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah. After he says, what's wrong with you? He asked in verse four, what is it that you want? Look at it with me. What is it that you're requesting, the king says of, of Nehemiah here in Nehemiah 2 verse 4? What, what a question that is. Maybe I would ask you that question, wherever you might be today. What is it that you want? What is it that you desire? In this circumstance or situation, in your family, in a relationship, in your business, what is it right now that you're asking God for? If God were to work and to show up, what would that look like? What a great question that is for us to sit with, to think on, to pray on. What is it that you're requesting of me? What is it that you want? And as King Jesus asks us that question, what is it that you want? What is it that you're seeking? What is it that you're desiring? What is it that you're praying for? How would we answer? Nehemiah has this incredible opportunity that God gives to him through King Artaxerxes by this question. And you better believe he doesn't miss his shot for all my Hamilton fans out there. He's not throwing away a shot. As soon as the door opens, the most powerful man in the world, King Artaxerxes, his heart being guided by the one true God, ask him, uh, Nehemiah, the question. And Nehemiah steps right through that door of faith and is bold to answer. And he says two things, I love this. Look at the passage with me, verses four through eight, as we look at Nehemiah's faith allowing him to be bold. He says, I want you to send me. And we learn later on, we'll learn in our journey together as we go through the book of Nehemiah, that this was not just a you know, couple of days, this was years and years, over a decade, that Nehemiah left his job as the cupbearer, the, the most, uh, you know, probably the, the, the closest person to King Artaxerxes, the most trusted advisor that he had. He, he tasted his food he, or, and, and, he, and he, he tasted his wine to protect him and King Artaxerxes allows him to go. But Nehemiah is ready. I want you to send me. And then here's the second thing. I want you to give me. I want you to give me some stuff. He's ready. And, and here's the thing that we learn just by inference is that during that time of waiting, those four months between chapter one and chapter two, as, as, as remember we said waiting time in God's economy by faith is not wasted time. We can tell that Nehemiah has not only prayed, but he's planned. He's planned. 
He's put together a plan of, of what he needs, of, of, of what God is, is, is going to need to do through King Artaxerxes by his request in order to accomplish the vision that God's given to him to rebuild the walls and to restore the, the nation. So he steps right through that door and says, I want you to send me, but then I want you to give me some letters of introduction. I want you to give me the authority to go so that everyone knows I'm going in your name. And I want you to give me supplies. And I love this little detail here. Uh, look at verse eight. He knows Asaph's name, uh, the keeper of the king's forest. He already knows his name. He's ready. He, he knows exactly what he needs because he's taken the time during that waiting season to not only pray, but also to plan. And so he's ready to be bold. And I want you to hear me on this. It's not a boldness that Nehemiah displays in his own efforts and his own cleverness, you know, in any of that stuff. It's a boldness in God. It's knowing that he knows that he knows through prayer that this is the vision and the heart that God has given to me. This isn't my plan. This isn't my desire. This isn't my agenda. This is God's agenda. So I can be uh, confident. I can have a godly boldness by faith. And that's what we see uh, Nehemiah demonstrating what would it look like? I want to just say this one more time before we move on to the final thing. What would it look like for God to answer your deepest prayers, your deepest longings and desires? What is it that you're asking for? What is it that you're praying for? Do you write down your prayers? You should. Write down your prayers. I write my prayers in my Bible. However it works for you, get a journal, do something. Write down your prayers. When the Lord tells you something by faith, write it down. Come back to it. Keep praying on it. Just because it doesn't seem like God's at work around you, God is at work. We, we, we learn that from the story of Nehemiah. And we have to be ready to be bold when God reveals the timing that we're meant to step through the door by faith and say yes to his plan. Nehemiah's faith allowed him to be incredibly bold for the kingdom of God. And then finally, Nehemiah's faith allowed him to challenge. Allowed him to challenge. Now, now hear this rightly. It wasn't a challenge in a, in a way of just, just trying to go out and be a critic or, you know, or, or just you know, be strong or just come against people. It wasn't any of that. It was a godly challenge. Again, because he knew that this was God's plan, not his. It was God's agenda, not his. It was God's passion. It was God's desire. He was able to rightly challenge other situations and people because God had given him a faith to do so. Look at chapter two with me, verses, verses nine through 20 specifically, and let's break it down really quickly. Nehemiah's faith allowed him to challenge, first of all, his enemies. Look at verses nine through 10. There's these three people, we'll meet two of them here in, in, in verse 10, um, Sanballat and Tobiah, and there'll be a third one named Geshem. And these three amigos, if you will, are constant critics to not only Nehemiah, but the plan that God had given to Nehemiah. They're constantly, the Bible says, jeering, condemning, questioning, um, anything they can do to stand in the way of God's plan they're trying to do. And so we meet them here in chapter two. You know, it's interesting. We studied the book of Acts together last year as a church. And one of the things that we learned is that when the kingdom of God advances, what else advances? What else comes up? Opposition. When the kingdom of God advances, when the gospel advances, we can expect opposition to arise. And that's exactly what we see here in chapter two. And the amazing thing is by faith, Nehemiah meets that challenge. He's able to speak directly to his enemies and to, to challenge them. Uh, first of all, we, we don't see any description of that thousand mile journey from Susa to, to Jerusalem, but we know that God gives a military escort uh, through the Persian Empire to Nehemiah. In other words, God is providentially sending a parade, Nehemiah leading the way with all the supplies, all the things that God has done through this pagan king Artaxerxes to arrive in Jerusalem. 
And, and so we see that when he arrives on the scene, these, these challenges come right away. And soon enough, what Nehemiah is going to realize is it's not just challenges from the outside, these three guys, but there's also challenges and critics from the inside. Same thing is true in the church. And we'll see that all, all throughout the scriptures. And then I just want to take a second here before we get to the, the, the other way that Nehemiah challenges here in cha- chapter 2. Look at verse 11. It's the shortest verse in the chapter. It simply says, so I went. This is, again, first person narrative. Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem and I was there three days. But I love what this verse represents, Nehemiah 2.11. Think about everything that's happened so far in the story. And finally, we see Nehemiah standing in Jerusalem, breathing the air, God's holy city, the city of David, and and the vision that God had given him by faith, now he's there. Faith has become what? Faith has become sight here in verse 11. And that's significant. Circle that in your Bibles. Nehemiah challenges his enemies, but secondly, he challenges the status quo. Look at verses 12 through 16. Nehemiah took counsel from a very few other people. He closes his leadership circle here in this moment. And the Bible says here in verses 12 through 16, they go out at night, this small group of leaders with Nehemiah to survey the the city gates and the walls for themselves. You know, the the other people have answered chapter one, verse two, that the, the gates have been burned, the walls are in ruins, the people are, you know, discouraged and and are people of reproach. But Nehemiah experiences for himself. He puts his own boots on the ground and walks around at night under the cover of darkness so that nobody else can see, including his critics and the people. And he wants to just survey it with a small group of people. This is a great leadership lesson for us to take counsel of of, a small group of other godly people who can see the same vision that God has given. And what I love about this is that Nehemiah sees more at night for the city of Jerusalem and the vision that God's given to him that most people could see during the day. It's been 90 plus years since King Cyrus uh, first released the exiles to go from Babylon back to Jerusalem. Two waves of exiles have come back to Jerusalem. 90 plus years and the walls still haven't been restored. And all the critics have basically won. They've they've managed to, to keep the people of God down and to keep the walls from being restored. And I love the vision that Nehemiah holds on to in the midst of that context to say, it's gonna happen. By God's grace and by, 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 by his will, we're going to rebuild the walls. And it's a great leadership principle here in, in, in verses 12 through 16 of challenging the status quo. That just because something is the way it is right now, it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. That by God's grace, God can work. God can change things. God can do more in a moment than we can in a lifetime. And by faith, we can trust him for that. I had another leader one time tell me, you inspect what you expect. You inspect what you expect as a follower of God, as a leader. And we're all leaders. We're all servant leaders in the kingdom of God as Christ followers. We inspect, we survey, we look and see, we name reality. The number one job of a leader is to name reality. What is going on and what can be by faith? And we see Nehemiah leading in such a great way here and challenging the status quo. And then finally, he challenges his fellow countrymen. Look at verses 17 through 20, Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah calls on his fellow citizens, his fellow uh, Jews, the citizens of Jerusalem to join him in rebuilding. And I love these pronouns, the same pronouns that he uses in chapter one, he uses in chapter two. Look at it with me. He says, you know, we and us, we're together. He doesn't say you and them. This is a team. 
We're together. He rallies his fellow countrymen to this vision that God has given for the city of David to restore and to rebuild the walls and to not just restore the physical walls, but the spiritual vitality of the people of God to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth back to the Abrahamic covenant. We see the key passage for our our series here, Rebuilding, in verse 17, chapter 2. Then I said to them, who is them? His fellow countrymen, his fellow Jews, the priests, all the people who were in Jerusalem. He rallies them as a leader. And he says, you see the trouble that we collectively are in? But then he begins to cast it. He states reality. That's the reality. It's true. The, the, the gates have been burned. The walls are in ruins. The people are a people of reproach. There are people who have been downtrodden and, and made fun of and jeered. That's reality. See the trouble we're in, but listen to the vision. How Jerusalem lies in ruins, its gates are, are, are burned, but here it comes. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. Let us rebuild that we may lo- no longer suffer de- desertion, that we may no longer be a people of reproach, but we may be the blessing the beacon on the hill, the blessing that God meant for us to be, not only to ourselves and our fellow people, our children, our children's children, but to all the nations and the people of the world. He focuses, Nehemiah names reality, another great leadership lesson here for all of us. He names reality. He says the good, the bad, and the ugly here, and there's a lot of bad and ugly here, but he stays positive on the vision of what God can do even in the midst of difficult circumstances, of what God wants to do in rebuilding and restoring and redeeming and all these, these great rewords in Nehemiah. But you know, bullies don't give up easy, do they? The opposition, we have a real opposition, not one another, but a real enemy. And he doesn't give up easy. Opposition will always be where the kingdom of God is, is advanced. But Nehemiah in such a wonderful way challenges that opposition. He rallies the people and he stands up for them. I love this in a way that probably nobody else does for, for two generations. Verses 18 and 19, he, he casts the vision, right? But he also names these three guys that are coming against them. And right in front of everybody, he says this. Look at verse 20 with me. He names them. He listens to them. And then he, then he, for so long, they had been in charge. They had been the bullies of the playground, right? They had kept the people down from believing the vision, from trusting God, from having faith to see what God wanted to do. And then I love this. Nehemiah is such a wonderful, godly example by faith. He says in verse 20, I replied to them, the God of heaven will make us prosper. It's not my leadership. It's not my giftedness. It's not, it's not on me. It's not on, on any of us. It's, this is God's work. The God of heaven is going to make us prosper. We are his servants. We will arise. We will build. But you, you critics, the people who don't have faith, the, the people who don't want to trust God and believe God, you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. In other words, I love this, okay, my words, there's a new sheriff in town. And it's not Nehemiah. It's the Lord himself, that God is reestablishing his city and his kingdom and his people through his people as they have faith in him. Here's the deal, guys. Nehemiah, Nehemiah had faith. He had faith to wait. He had faith to wait on the Lord because waiting time is never wasted time. Nehemiah had faith to be bold, not in himself, but to, to be bold. And when he was asked, what do you want? He was ready, he had prayed, he had planned. He had, he had faith to be bold and to step, step out and to be strong and confident in the Lord. And then, and then finally, Nehemiah had enough faith to really challenge, 
to, to challenge his enemies, the enemies of God, to challenge the status quo that just because it has been this way doesn't mean it always has to be that way, and to challenge his, his fellow citizens of the kingdom of God to rally around the vision. Because here's the deal, guys. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This story, the story of Nehemiah that we're in, the, the story of the Bible, our story, the story of the kingdom of God that we find ourselves in, was never about us. It was always about God. It's always been his story. And by faith, seeing him do what only he can do. Because here's the deal. Bottom line today, for each and every one of us, your faith, this is what we see in Nehemiah, right here in chapter two. Your faith plus a big God, right? Your faith plus a big God equals an eternal impact. That's such an incredible equation that we learn over and over and over again throughout the scriptures. And we learn it right here in Nehemiah chapter two, and you can learn it right in your life today and live it out. Your faith, even a small faith, because it's not about your, the size of your faith, it's about the size of your God. Your faith plus a big God equals an eternal impact. We see that in Nehemiah, and may we see that in each of our lives. To Christ be the glory today. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. God, thank you for the example that Nehemiah gives to us, an example of faith, not in himself or in his circumstances, but a faith in you, God. Help us to have a, 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 a vibrant, personal, real faith in a real, vibrant, personal, all-knowing, all-seeing, all-sufficient God. Help our lives to count, not for ourselves, but for an eternal impact for the kingdom of God. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to each of us right now in this moment. Give us the wisdom to know what you're speaking to us through your word. And now give us the faith to go and obey. In Christ's name, amen. We love you, New City. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City Online. We're so grateful you were here. And if you're looking for a way to take a step further with this community, we'd love to have you join our New City Online Facebook group. You can search it on Facebook by just looking up New City Online to bring you right there. We're praying for each other each week. We're, we're sharing what God's doing in our lives. We're discussing the sermon and even giving a few behind the scenes looks at New City Church. Yes, it is a great resource. We hope you can connect there. And now will you extend your hands for the benediction? Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. We love you, New City. Have a great week.